Never be the one who says, I have no idea. Unlock the full picture and get unlimited access to unique data and respected business journalism that advances your understanding and business. Subscribe today at housingwire.com slash membership. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the spring home buying season and what he predicts for purchase apps, inventory, and mortgage rate. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here and back with my partner in crime, Sarah Wheeler. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I was out for a family emergency. Really appreciate everyone stepping in, but glad to be back and on here with you. And we have a lot to talk about. So first off, we had purchase applications come out today. We're recording this on Wednesday. What did they say and how does that fit in with the tracker that you put out on Monday? So purchase application data week to week was positive, 3%. The year over year decline is 37%. So we have uh, basically formed the bottom in this data line. There's now roughly about almost three months uh, almost of data to work with here. Uh, this all started November 9th. And, you know, we started the tracker early this year for everyone. And if we started it, you know, uh, on November of last year, you could see this a little bit more clearly uh, back in November, December, people were talking about how bad would the housing crash be? How much, how far can sales fall? Everything rates fell. <clears throat> the data stabilized. We're working from an extremely low level. Historically speaking, I think those who followed me over the years, it's really rare to get existing home sales monthly uh, data under 4 million. So for right now, just look at it as a bounce from the bottom. And we're just going to take this one week at a time because the difference between this uh, housing data than let's say COVID-19, COVID-19 was almost in a sense easy. You know, you don't write a recovery model on April 7th and say, hey, listen, by the time June comes, housing will be uh, fully recovered. By May 18th, it'll be really obvious. Here we have different dynamics. We're still dealing with a marketplace that's dealing with uh, right now almost 6.5% mortgage rates, not like the 3% uh, 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 rates that we saw. So the new listings data isn't really growing that much so this year. So, you know, there's there's limits to what housing can do in this in this period. But definitely from November, things have gotten better, you know, and plus the six recession red flag model of mines that was uh, written on April, uh, August 5th. Talked about the two things that need to happen for this to, you know, uh, to keep the recession as far away as possible or have a soft landing is for uh, the growth growth rate of inflation to fall and uh, bond yields to fall, right? That matters more to housing than the Fed funds rate. And that's occurred, you know, the next stage is the Fed stop hiking and then cutting. That's a, that's a different topic, but the labor market is still solid, right? The honey badger labor market, you know, we talked about that. I know uh, the Wall Street Journal referred uh, to the labor market as that yesterday. So uh, this is the best you could hope for in this current uh, situation um, inventory levels are falling. Uh, you know, traditionally we see the decline, but you know, one thing that we saw last year is, uh, late toward the year inventory wasn't falling faster, uh, toward the end of the year. Like we usually see rates got up, you know, homestay on the market, uh, longer. <clears throat> now things have picked up on that side. Uh, and now we see the bounce in pending home sales, the builder's confidence, Existing home sales will come up uh, as well, and we just take it one week at a time. This is why the tracker was created because this is how I, you know, track housing economics. So now everyone can kind of see how the mindset works on a on a week to week data line. And if people are are like, what what tracker is he talking about? It's a housing 
housing market tracker on Housing Wire. And but I want to go back to November 9th. What is it in your opinion that that started are, are you talking specifically about purchase apps starting to turn on November 9th? October 27th, we wrote the case for why mortgage rates can fall. Um and toward the peak of that 10-year yield, the US dollar was getting really strong and it was creating market havoc around the world. Traditionally, when that happens, usually that's nearing a top. Um, the dollar has gotten weaker. Everything is more calm now, right? We don't hear about the uh, the UK losing all of its pension funds because their bond market hedges went wrong. The Bank of Japan really isn't doing major interventions anymore. We don't have the IMF uh, begging the Federal Reserve to stop hiking rates. Things have settled down. And then once rates fell... No, the internals of the purchase application data, which I think is very difficult for some people to read, actually got better starting November 9th. The thing is that it came during a seasonal a low volume period of the year. So people didn't read the internal data or didn't believe it or didn't want to even talk about it. So November and December, while the data line was getting better, a lot of people ignored it. And this is what happens when you ignore forward-looking data. This is not the first time this has happened. I've seen this many times in the last 10 years. This is not going to be the last time ever because there's people with a general bias. And when you when you put your ideological beliefs, like all fanatics do in the history of human civilization, going back to the Peloponnesian War, numbers over people. Traditionally, that what wins. So the data actually got better. If the data wasn't getting better, then you you have a case. But the data got better. You chose to not to look at it. That's a fanatical belief. That's not a numbers belief. That's why the trackers created so people could understand. You you don't have to have a PhD in economics to do this, right? You just have to follow a set of data lines, variables, and move with it. And there we are. And we just bounced off from the an extreme bottom. That's it for now. We take it one week at a time. So the other one of the other elements of the tracker is inventory, which we use Altos Research data for that, which is updated weekly. It's it's the best thing that we can use that anybody can use to get almost real time information. So where are we on inventory? The last two weeks, inventory is falling a little bit more noticeable, and uh, the reason I love using the Altos Research is that if the purchase application data started to get better on November 9th, and we always talk about purchase application data looks forward 30 to 90 days, right? Sales will come convert then, not in that week. We're starting to see the demand pick up. So whatever inventory we have here, which isn't a lot, can accelerate a little bit lower, more than usual. This is what happens in an uptrending market, right? Not in a demand completely collapsing. So we could we could attribute some of this to demand picking up. We see in the pending home sales, the new home sales, the builders confidence index. So so just for now, look at it as that. This is not record breaking demand or anything of that nature. And one of the things I've been seeing is people are are reporting uh, bidding wars again. And I go back to my original premise: we don't have like a record breaking demand housing market. We just have total inventory. And for some reason, for some reason out there. There have been Wall Street firms and stock traders who have said there is no low inventory. If you have the basic function of visually seeing <laughs> that total inventory on a nominal basis is near all-time lows 
with a collapse in demand like we saw, and you are still willing to say that the active listings are not low, there are fanatics, and then there are, oh my God, the flat earth people. And um, it's just it's just for some reason, actually, I know what the reason is. There's a group of people that say there is no low inventory. It's all the Federal Reserve. It's all speculation. It's a Ponzi scheme. These people are off the grid. Just you have to realize that there's there's no convincing fanatics that they're wrong. You just have to learn to live with them and almost look at it as kind of somewhat hilarious. There is no booming demand here. And we're already seeing parts of the country that are talking about a little bit of bidding wars. That's not because demand is like what we saw from 2002 to 2005. That's why I always draw those black lines in those purchase application data. So we could see what record-breaking demand looks like. We don't have any of that. Unfortunately, we are here, which I, which has always been my biggest concern. I am not a big fan of total inventory levels being at all-time lows during the years 2020 to 2024, right? And if we didn't have the biggest mortgage rate hit in history last year, we'd be having a much different conversation. But it did happen. It cooled the market down, which needed to occur. But here we are dealing with the same thing. So I'm hoping that the seasonal inventory increases again. We get a little bit of breathing room because we have got breathing room. The days on market are no longer a teenager. But again, parts of the US have not seen the inventory increases other parts of the country. And that's where we see some of the uh, uh, action occurring. I'm going to ask you about mortgage rates next, but let's let's talk a little bit more about that inventory because that's such a deja vu. This time last year or starting in December, November of 2021, when we were looking at starting 2022 with all-time lows in inventory and you were like, this is the worst thing that could happen. This is going to be the, you know, that's what turned it into a savagely unhealthy housing market. And then we had people who were like, oh, listen, once mortgage rates go up inexplicably, some for some reason, people are a whole bunch of people are going to list their homes for sale, which is ridiculous when you consider that all those people are then going to have to go buy a home. Yeah, you know, you know this this goes back to what I wrote on October of 2021: the fear of inventory channels breaking again, and then the the professional grift at the end of 2021. Once mortgage rates get above four percent, and this is this is the same thing that happened after COVID. They said, "Well, nobody listed their home in COVID." Uh, and then uh, uh, they're all going to list their homes and get out at any price. I cannot express to you, out of all the sectors in the United States of America, the craziest people are housing because they fundamentally believe that people sell their homes to be homeless. I, it, it's never occurred. We don't have any documentation of this. The only period in time in the last four or five decades where we've seen inventory scale out was 2006 to 2007. What was that? forced credit sellers that couldn't buy a home because they were foreclosing. That is a valid premise. We don't have that now. We haven't had that for 10 years, but for some reason, and I, I, and I, I hate to, I hate to, uh, you know, target men, middle age and older <laughs> men believe this. And because I think they're angry, I think they're getting older and the collapse of America hasn't happened. We just had this discussion this morning on Twitter where one of my friends from uh, Renaissance Capital just says, Wall Street economists, are all, they're all full of it, right? They're all doomsday cult people, right? And it is true in the sense we just had the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history with the most bearish Wall Street firms ever with the whole trolling nation between the Russian trolls and the anti-central bank people. And we would still be having the longest economic and job expansion in history 
if it wasn't for a global pandemic, which they went into the full depression mode, which got out very quickly because Sarah Wheeler, some people always ice skate uphill. And when you're that old, you can't change. That means you will go to the grave with this. And we we try to focus people just on data, weekly data, try to make some sense out of it. But we are not them. This country has buried every American bear since 1790. And this group will follow them to the end. And that's the fitting place for them. Into the afterlife, as you say, where they will, what is it? Uh, uh, they will walk the, the afterlife with no ears, eyes, or a tongue screaming <laughs> about the Fed's balance sheet. And there's n- there's just nothing we could do. A cult is a cult. And if you don't understand you're part of this cult, that means you're they sucked you in. And a lot of times, the young young people get sucked in by their older peers, and then they just believe these things about the collapse of America. I mean, I, I, honestly, you look at some of these people, they sound like, you know, the people that say, well, Russia's going to come back and Russia's currency is going to say, or the US dollar is going to collapse. It all depends on the collapse of the US dollar in the United States of America. These people aren't your friends. They're not on your side. They're just the history of human civilization going back a thousand years. There's always groups like this every decade, every century. The demagogues of the world have always been here. And for the last thousand years, humanity won. These people lost. I love it. Well, on that high note, let's talk about mortgage rates, right? Because you were one of the people talking in the fall about how more, you know, the case for mortgage rates to fall in 2023. And on this podcast, we've talked about a five handle several times, and it feels like uh, we we got there. So tell me where mortgage rates are. I have been out for a week and a half, so maybe maybe I'm not up on the latest rates. So tell me where we are there. Let's go with uh, the 2023 forecast. And remember, I just go off 10-year yields. I don't, I'm not a mortgage-backed security person or any, anything of that nature. So the, the 10-year yield, the initial forecast was four and a quarter to 3.21. As long as the economy stays firm, right? And the firm means jobless claims stay low, which they have. We should be ranging around there. That means mortgage rates between 5.75% and seven, seven and a quarter. That's the range. If the economic data starts to get really weak, the bond market will get ahead of the Federal Reserve. And then we could break under 3%, get down to 2.72. If the spreads get better, rates not only could go to the low fives, but we could have under 5% in that scenario. But the honey badger labor market is still here. And this is actually a really good good, good question. Somebody came up to me and said, Logan, how did we create 500,000 jobs when people say there's nobody working uh, or nobody found to work? Listen. We have 166 million people in the civilian labor force. We have 155 million uh, uh, people working non-farm payroll. If you and look at it in this way, if you don't have COVID-19, if COVID-19 never occurred, we'd be at 158 to 159 million right now. So we're just still playing catch up. And we have the people there. There's enough people in there. And people get fired and hired every uh, every month. So this is why I always find the Federal Reserve puzzling. There are other countries around the world that have worse demographics than us, and they've never had wage spiral, right? It never, it never occurred, right? Japan, Europe, none of these countries could produce inflation if they, if they tried, right? A third world country is going against a dollar can, of course. But here, you know, the, if, the, if we had the 1970s, Inflation would be so much higher what it is right now. We sh- we wouldn't see the growth rate cool down. The ten year yield would be higher. Wage growth is already cooling. So because the headline number of the jobs report caught people off guard, 
We got in a situation where we've talked about this for some time. There's a line in the sand in the 10-year yield. That's why I had to bring Gandalf out. <laughs> you shall not pass. It's part of the tracker. I just draw that line and say, this is a very tough level to break. We tried it a few times. We've gone below 3.42. We just shoot right back up. And after the third time, bond market money flows goes different. You know, that's just how quants and computers work. So bond yields have gone up. About to, I think we're at 3.65. So mortgage rates have gone from 5.99% to 6.45% right now. So rates, rates are up, but they're still kind of in that range. If the labor market got weaker, what we have clearly seen right now is that bond yields go down, mortgage rates go down, and then we're going to have this talk about how disproportionately housing benefits in that situation. Because think about this. People say, well, it's the labor market that's the linchpin of housing. Labor market did great in 2022. Housing did it. Why? Because of rates, right? So rates disproportionately impact in the negative side uh, uh, when rates go up and they disproportionately impact. Why? Because most people are working, especially most home buyers and home sellers that sell their homes to buy. There are majority of them are working. So even with this big inflationary hit, even with rates spiking up a little bit of down, we held the line right now. So we're just working through it. And this is why the week to week tracker is very key because we're going to look at every single data line that we believe is important because we're here today. And I don't remember a lot of people talking about this in November and December. So I'm just saying this is this is historically always worked because numbers over people is a good thing. So, you know, we even had Powell speaking this week. So where's the Fed when it comes to, you know, what what input do they now have on rates and how's that going to affect mortgage rates specifically? Well, everyone got surprised with the jobs report, but here's here's an interesting thing: the wage growth is already decelerating down. Uh, PCE inflation, personal consumption expenditures, which the, that's the Fed's main tracking inflation, the three, six, twelve month is already going lower. The Fed is actually getting what it wants. I truly believe this, and we've talked about this all last year and, and this year. The Fed is going to talk as tough as possible because if inflation growth falls, bond yields will fall with it. The one sector that's in a recession is housing. That should help it. It already has. It's just formed a bottom. And we just go with that. Uh, the Fed is fearing that if financial conditions get easier, maybe that is not going to help them fight inflation. That's a tug of war between the Fed and I, I, I don't... I, I hope they don't believe that like, this is a brand new paradigm right here because I, I stress this to people. During the housing bubble years where we had massive housing inflation, the core PCE barely grew above over 2%. Right? We have not had a growth rate of inflation from 2000 to 2019. What is the one event that changed the entire dynamics around the world? What was it, Sarah Wheeler? It was COVID-19. It was a global pandemic. We go back 800 years and look at all the gold. Oh, wow. It does create inflationary stuff and then disinflationary. That's how it's worked. So you have to endure. And the growth rate inflation, as long as it falls, everything's okay. Bond yields should fall with that over time, right? The 12-month PCE is 4.42% right now. I think the Fed wants it back down to that 2% target. So it's going to take a little bit of time and just endure and move it. You don't need to create a job loss recession to defeat inflation. We've seen that already in a labor market that is already tight. Uh, in other countries that have had low unemployment rates, they don't have breakaway inflation. So we'll get through this. But again, one week at a time, 
Uh, a lot has happened since November, right? And but we have to put this balance in context, right? This is just a we we literally collapsed in demand last year, and a lot of that is again new. People don't list their homes to sell. If they don't list their homes to sell, they don't buy, right? That's the process. Inventory growth can happen with. A lot of people listing their homes in days on markets grow. This is why days on market is my number one housing thing. We want to get back to a normal housing market. And how I described it in the uh, Housing Wire uh, uh, webinar we had with all the economists, we want to slow dance, right? We just want to hold hands and have the housing market get back to normal and just slow dance with buyers and sellers and not that crazy action that we saw in 2020, 2021, in the first few months of 2022. We don't want that. We want days on market to grow so people have choices. There's no more bidding wars. That's a healthy housing market. The first three months of 2022 was the worst housing market I've ever seen in my life. We do not want anything to go back in there. But unfortunately, we're also dealing with the reality that total inventory levels are still near all-time lows. And there's just it's, it's very difficult to get back to normal under these uh, circumstances. So I would I would point our listeners to the fact that they can uh, watch that whole HW um, HW plus housing market update with you and the other uh, economists that we, was live on Monday, but really really good stuff there. We had a, a great people on, but also okay. So you from your perspective, the Fed is sort of out of options. I mean, they're not going to do things, or if they are going to do more rate changes, it's not going to affect the mortgage rate because it's kind of already been priced in or what? Well, the, the, everybody just I assumed, well, I, I shouldn't say everyone. I mean, I just assumed they were going to go to 5% and just stop. And that's kind of what they've told people. Um, uh, the bond market was already uh, pricing in rate cuts toward the end of the year because everybody, everybody thinks this recession has happened. This is why I stress, wait until jobless claims get to 323000 on the four-week moving average. When that occurs, whenever it does, then the labor market is broken. If the Federal Reserve chooses to ignore it at that point, what are they? Old and slow. Old and slow. <laughs> so hopefully, you know, with all the data now we have in this world, when that happens, and, and, and now that we've seen it, the bond market really wants to go lower. It, it just needs the labor market to guide it down. Um, again, if we had 1970s inflation, by the 10-year yield would be north of five and a quarter or anything. It's just not it. There's no there, The Federal Reserve has no intention of selling mortgage-backed securities. The only people that want mortgage-backed securities we sold are the anti-central bank people. They want to see everything burn. Um, so uh, uh, they understand. Just from my observations, the Federal Reserve understood and was a little bit shocked how fast and how steep the sales decline was. But they're also looking at the housing uh, starts data, permits data, and completions data. So they see the backlog. Oddly enough, COVID-19 is in a sense a jobs program for the uh, construction labor because right about now is when construction labor would, would be laid off, permits would fall and everything and the big ticket items. Then you see the downdraft of, of, of the economy with that. But because we have such a big backlog, they're keeping all those people until they can sell, uh, f- finish all those homes. So in a sense, that that as long as that keeps keeps going on they'll be okay uh, uh and then at that point we have a whole different conversation when that when that occurs when we're finally done with the last uh, uh backlog and then we'll see where we are rate wise but you can see what's happened we we just had a waterfall dive we bounced off the builder's confidence is up pending home sales up purchase application just because of how crazy 2022 was right if we were 
working from 5.3 million existing home sales on the monthly principal, I wouldn't be having this conversation right now. The reason I'm talking about this is because we've got to a level that I said, hey, listen, if new listings data keeps on uh, going negative, we could have home sales get down to 4 million. We got to 4.2 million and we're just bouncing a little bit off of there. One week at a time, bond market, mortgage rates, economic data, there's a lot here. But again, the housing market tracker is here to explain a lot of the things. And uh, uh, we'll we'll do this every week, right? Uh, just to give people the best, most valid information of real economics and not the crazy stuff that we see a lot of times. I love it, Logan. And I feel like this is uh, as valuable as ever heading into the spring home buying season. And to your point, we're already seeing some markets pop. Um, with bidding wars, obviously some markets were hot all the way through. Somehow it had, you know, real cool down. So it will be really interesting to see how this plays out as we head into some of the biggest home buying months of the year. Yeah. And, and, and to think about this, a lot of the discussion about massive inventory spikes were based on a premise that the entire housing market was led by speculators. There were some Wall Street analysts and some other people that talked about, well, you you know, we could have inventory scale out. The only time ever recorded in modern day history where that occurred was the forced credit selling period, which actually took homeowners and speculators in together. And that was the 2005 to 2007 spike. Back back then in 2005, we had 2.5 million active listings. We're 970,000 right now. We could go one more month, even lower than that. So it's a much different dynamics. Again, and, and if any of my Wall Street friends are listening to this, you have to verse yourself in the 2005 bankruptcy reform laws and the 2010 QM laws. And you have to look at housing economics, not like you look at stocks. You sell your stock after hours, that's it, it's over. You have no relationship with that uh, uh, equity. People can't just sell their house in a second and choose to be homeless. They have to find another form of shelter, right? And the homeowners on paper... As a, somebody whose family has been in banking since the late 1950s, they have never looked better on paper. So you have to realize that an educated person doesn't purposely do something to destroy their financial life. A crazy person does. Don't be a crazy person. <laughs> Don't be a crazy person. Well, Logan, thank you so much for uh, jumping on today. We will be keeping a, a close eye on your tracker, and I will talk to you again in a couple of days. I'll talk to you in a few days. And just remember, uh, for next week, it'll be very good for us to see how rates uh, impact the short-term data because we've moved up half a percent recently. Uh, so the forward-looking going out in the next two, three weeks, we'll see if that really impacts the data line. Historically, it should uh, uh, with a half a percent rate, but we're dealing with very uh, crazy wild data. So remember, one week at a time, slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady. Thanks so much, Logan. Appreciate you. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. 
Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.